Thank you for listening to You Can Read the Bible. Today is day 409. We're reading Acts chapter 10 today. Your hosts are Charlie George and Fiona Carter. You Can Read the Bible, December 31st, Guide for Acts 10. As the apostles endured the church's rapid growth spurt and its first rounds of persecution, they had to stretch in unexpected ways. In chapter 2, they opened their doors to Jewish pilgrims. In chapter 6, they would have to recruit deacons to ensure justice to the Grecian Jews among their following. In chapter 8, the Holy Spirit moved Philip north among the Samaritans, then south to Gaza, for the sake of one Ethiopian eunuch on his way back to his queen. Perhaps the most difficult stretch for this primitive church was in chapter 9, the acceptance of Saul, their erstwhile persecutor. Up until now, we have seen the Holy Spirit push apostles to people on the fringes and extremes of Judaism. We now reach a turning point. The Holy Spirit will begin calling the apostles into the frontiers of world evangelism. And in chapter 10, that frontier is embodied in a prominent sojourner from Rome. Cornelius is unique for his time and place. Luke introduces us to him with some earthly negatives. A certain man in Caesarea, centurion, Italian cohort, followed by heavenly positives, God-fearing, generous, prayerful, and asks the lovers of God to accept these contradictions in terms at face value. Cornelius is visited by an angel. This angel did not open with fear not, like he would when appearing to first century Jews. For example, Mary, the shepherds. This could be for two reasons. First, Cornelius might not have learned that seeing an angel portended certain death. Second, being a commander of infantry, he was not one to falter even in the face of certain death. In any case, this messenger of the Lord of hosts wastes no time with pleasantries. He addresses Cornelius, soldier to soldier, tells him his prayers and almsgiving were honored by God, and commands him to send his messengers asking for a certain man at a precise address. Having inspired his household to revere the God of Israel, he dispatches two of his servants and his chief soldier there. It's been a busy week in the ancient port city of Joppa. Having raised Tabitha from the dead, Peter is in demand and now resides at the home of Simon the Tanner. Evidently, Peter has a routine of extensive morning prayer. The Tanner's house is possibly a building with a courtyard from which steps lead to a flat roof. The roof has some thatch shading, and here is where we find Peter. The folks serving him won't start lunch until he asks for it, and he does not ask until famished. So he waits on a rooftop by the sea, tired and hungry, smelling the combination of hides drying in the courtyard and lunch cooking below. All of this plays into Peter's vision. God unfolds a panoply of beasts, none of which are kosher. Three times Peter denies the command, rise, kill and eat. Each time Peter refuses on grounds the offerings were unclean. And the reply each time is, don't you call unclean what God declares cleansed. Given his determination to be a devout Jew, he would have kept refusing all day. But the vision ends abruptly, with the panoply being taken up to heaven. For someone who months earlier denied his master thrice, and whose risen Lord thrice challenged him, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. This vision ending when it did was significant. Imprisonment and persecution aren't nearly as trying as these triplicate dialogues. 
Peter is on notice that this is no time to gainsay the Lord, nor is it the place. From this ancient city, the prophet Jonah bought passage across the great sea in the middle of the earth in hope of ignoring God's call for him to lead the hated Assyrians of Nineveh to repentance. It didn't go well until Jonah changed his course. In the past months, Peter set aside cowardice. As an apostle, he was feeding the Lord's sheep. But what has God cleansed that he is calling unclean? What is today's Nineveh? How is Peter to change his course? Dear listener, please understand how precarious this moment in the chapter is for most of you. My family is of Semitic origin, so the good news may have been introduced to me no matter how Peter responds. But for most of you whose families hail from elsewhere, your eventual access to the gospel teeters on Peter's next move. If he resolves never to enter a Gentile's house, then the gospel does not come to your tribe. But the vision softened the apostle's heart. Peter is ready to obey, and centuries later, someone like me takes no shame in fellowship with someone like you. The Holy Spirit now orders Peter to go down and meet the three men who are knocking at the door and go with them. Peter, not wanting to be found denying his Lord ever again, welcomes these two Roman servants and one Roman soldier. He hears their story, invites them to supper, finds them beds. Betcha Simon the Tanner is having second thoughts about opening his house, and next day sets out with them to Caesarea. The small retinue journey along the Mediterranean coast northward, the way being cleared by a Roman soldier with two servants flanking this revered apostle. They arrived the following day to Caesarea, a city as new as Joppa was ancient, a bustling monument of Herod's devotion to the Emperor Augustus, a well-polished colony and capital of Roman power and commerce. Thanks to Philip's ministry, Jews there were beginning to follow Jesus. Some may be at the gate as Cornelius and family and friends await Peter. Peter enters, and in the shadow of shrines built to Augustus and Roma, Cornelius falls prostrate before him. There is no mistaking this action. At one time or another, a Roman officer would have done the same before the statue of the emperor, acknowledging his status as a god. Peter will have none of it. He quickly grabs the mistaken worshiper and pulls him to his feet, insisting, I, like you, am also a man. After that exchange, Peter saw that he was to Caesarea as Jonah was to Nineveh. He enters the city and then Cornelius's house where a crowd has gathered. In front of everyone, they compare notes, and Cornelius gives Peter the floor, saying, We are present before God to hear all things that are commanded of you of God. Peter repeats his witness of Christ's death and resurrection and puts his Lord in the grand context. To him all the prophets gave witness, and through his name whoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. It's hard to imagine the torrent of emotions that may have built up while Cornelius' household waited for the messengers to return. Then, to be with this apostle, talking with him as though he were just another man, confessing that God commanded him to no longer see them as unclean, and hearing him expound how, for the price of belief in the risen Lord, their sins would be forgiven. Those emotions let loose. 
those Italians betrayed daily by those statues in the shrine overlooking their harbor, readily believed. They cashed in on forgiveness and with their voices returned in praise. For the sake of Peter and the other Jews present, the Holy Spirit rendered those praises in multiple languages, exactly like what they heard back in Jerusalem at Pentecost. That settled it for him. Peter ordered water brought and baptized the entire household. Most shockingly, Peter accepted the invitation to stay at that Roman household for days. This begins a historical pivot, and in the next five chapters, we will see the gospel go forth on waves of Gentile enthusiasm. And the result persists to this very day as you and I fellowship together. Chapter 10 At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, and saw the heavens opened, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate, and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down, and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men, and said, I am the one who you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, 
and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him, and on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I ask then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa, and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth, and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Thank you for listening to You Can Read the Bible.